0: Welcome to the Special Forces in World War II podcast, transmitting on this frequency. This broadcast is your dedicated channel for comprehensive intelligence regarding World War II Special Forces operations. Our transmissions encompass in-depth analysis of their strategic maneuvers, cutting-edge equipment, illustrious biographies, and an array of pertinent subjects. The orchestration of these transmissions is executed by the expert team of the Special Forces in World War II website, a squad deeply immersed in the historical theatre. For further insights, visual aids, and captured moments frozen in time, navigate to our virtual headquarters at worldwar2-soft.com. Your immersion into the front lines of knowledge awaits. Over and out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the premiere of our Special Forces in World War II podcast. Prepare to dive deep into the shadowy realm of covert operations and elite military units that shaped the course of history. In this inaugural episode, we unveil a captivating narrative that weaves together four extraordinary stories, Unternehmann Greif, the Panzer Brigade 150, their role in the battle for Malmedy and Einheit Stielau. In this four-part series, we'll first journey into the intriguing preparations of Unternehmen Greif, the preparations that set the stage for one of the most audacious operations in World War II history. Join us as we peel back the layers of strategy, planning, and deception that went into Otto Skorzeny's ingenious mission to capture the bridges Across the river Meuse and to sow chaos within enemy lines. In Part Two, our focus shifts to Panzer Brigade 150 and their integral role in Unternehmen Greif, exploring the operation that never became an operation and was doomed from the beginning. Part Three shines a spotlight on the role of Panzer Brigade. One hundred fifty in the pivotal battle for Malmedy, will dissect their strategic maneuvers, their resilience in the face of adversity, and the pivotal moments that shaped the outcome of this critical engagement. And then, the spotlight turns to Einheit Stielau in Part Four. This specialized unit of linguists played a role that cannot be overlooked. With their unique abilities and cunning, they added a new dimension to the operation we'll also take a look at the tragic end of some of them. Our exploration is based on meticulous research, drawing from a variety of sources. However, a significant note of caution arises from the fact that much of the historical account revolves around Otto Skorzeny's perspective. Recent revelations have shed light on Skorzeny's tendency to sometimes magnify his role, weaving a narrative that may not always reflect the full truth. We have taken this factor into careful consideration. But stay tuned, for this is just the prologue. This episode marks the first episode in a thrilling series of four. So buckle up as we embark on our first journey through the clandestine world of special forces in World War II. Unternehmen Greif. This podcast will cover a special operation within the German Ardennes Offensive in December 1944. The Ardennes Offensive was known by the Germans as Unternehmen Wacht am Rhein. Part of Unternehmen Wacht am Rhein was Unternehmen Greif. It was a special operation commanded by the notorious German commando leader Otto Skorzeny. He commanded the newly formed 150 Panzer Brigade and Einheit. Stielau. The objectives of Unternehmen Greif were the intact seizure of at least two bridges across the Meuse by disguised raiding parties, immediately reinforced by an armoured commando formation. Besides this main objective, Skorzeny's force had to create confusion in the Allied rear areas through sabotage carried out by jeep parties clad in American uniforms. This podcast will try to give a complete overview of this operation. October 22, 1944, Hitler summons Skorzeny to meet him at his Führerhauptquartier at Rastenburg in East Prussia to discuss the upcoming Ardennes Offensive and Skorzeny's role in it. Hitler sees this as the decisive offensive and tasks Skorzeny with leading a panzer brigade to reach the Meuse River bridges and capture them intact. During the meeting, Hitler speaks in detail about the massive quantity of material that has been accumulated for the offensive. Later, Skorzny recalls that Hitler mentions that they would have 6,000 artillery pieces in the Ardennes, and in addition to that, the Luftwaffe would have around 2,000 planes, including the new Strahl ME-262 planes. Skorzeny expresses his concerns about the task assigned to him, stating that if he is to do this in the given time, he would have to give up all his other work. Hitler agrees to this and promises to send some of the best officers to assist Skorzeny. Skorzeny is then sent to General Alfred Jodl, Chief of Staff of the Oberkommando der Wehrmacht, for further details about the plan and his role in the winter offensive. The timing of the Ardennes offensive means that Skorzeny has only five or six weeks to recruit and train a brand new unit, an operation Hitler had named Greif. October 25, 1944 Within four days, Skorzeny sends his plans for 150 SS Panzer Brigade to General Oberst Alfred Jodl. Although he is asking for 3,300 men, he is given an immediate go-ahead and promised full support. That very same day, the Oberkommando der Wehrmacht issues an order requesting suitable soldiers for the operation, with knowledge of the English language and also the American dialect, which is passed on to every headquarters on the Western Front. Equipping the brigade requires a variety of American origin vehicles and equipment, including tanks, self-propelled tank destroyers, armoured personnel carriers, trucks, jeeps, weapons, and uniforms. However, obtaining these items proves challenging for Skorzeny. The front-line units are reluctant to part with their valuable transport, making it difficult to acquire the necessary equipment. November 2, 1944 To address the equipment issue, Skorzeny writes to General-Lieutenant Siegfried Westfall the Chief of Staff of Oberbefehl's Harbour West. He highlights the fact that while the required equipment does exist, the troops might fail to hand it over because they are unaware of the purpose behind the requisition. Skorzeny wants to ensure that the necessary items are obtained. November 9, 1944. Oberbefehl's Harbour West is requested to procure specific quantities of tanks, armoured cars Self propelled guns, jeeps, motorcycles, trucks, and both British and American uniforms. These requisitions, codenamed Robin are divided among the three army groups. Here is Grupa G is responsible for eight tanks and twenty jeeps, Here is Group H for two tanks and fifty jeeps, and here is Group B for five tanks and thirty jeeps. All these vehicles are to be promptly delivered to Grafenwur in the district of Neustadt and der Waldnaab in the region of Oberfalz in eastern Bavaria, Germany. Grafenwur is the training camp location for the newly formed brigade. Mid-November Skorzeny calls a meeting with his Kampfgruppe commanders Hardik, Scherf and Wolf and briefs them that they are anticipating against an American offensive somewhere in the Arkans sector. Skorzeny further informs them that their plan is to let the Americans penetrate their lines and then cut them off. During this time, their brigade is to create a significant disturbance in the rear lines to assist in the annihilation of the enemy forces. During that same period, a German prisoner of war confesses that he has seen a secret order calling for all English-speaking personnel and captured U.S. uniforms to be sent to Osnabrück, Germany. The personnel would be trained in reconnaissance, sabotage, and espionage according to the order. Two German military documents captured at around the same time confirm the prisoners' claims. The documents reveal that a call for volunteers has been issued in early November, outlining the necessary qualifications, including knowledge of English with an American dialect, physical fitness, mental agility competence in close combat, and suitability for special assignments. The volunteers are to be familiar with military terminology and cannot be retained by their units for military reasons. From the pool of volunteers, a special unit will be formed, consisting of about two battalions, for deployment on the Western Front. November 21, 1944, Skorzeny, using his codename SOLAR, expresses his disappointment with the results of robin hugel in a telegram to oberbefehlshaber west he complains about the lack of american equipment arriving at graffenweuer despite the challenges and the limited availability of american equipment Skorzeny continues to prepare the brigade for its mission november 19th 1944 Skorzeny's unit receives a total of five Panthers. November 24, 1944 Panzer Brigade 150 receives five Sturmgeschütz and one armoured car. November 27, 1944 Six more medium armoured personnel carriers are allocated to Rabenhugel. An aide of Skorzeny sends a comprehensive report to Oberbefehlshaber West in November outlining the challenges faced in equipping the unit. He states that the target date for its organization cannot be met since only 57 out of the required 150 cars and 74 out of 198 trucks have been delivered to the unit. The report notes mechanical defects in a third of the vehicles sent to Grafenwur and that obtaining the necessary American steel helmets is also still a challenge. Despite these difficulties, the brigade maintains good morale and physical condition, with an adequate number of combat interpreters for special missions. At that time, Otto Skorzeny's organization is comprised of two main groups, the commando unit, also known as Einheit Stielau, and the 150 Panzer Brigade. The commando unit is made up of English-speaking men who have been withdrawn from various units In the armed forces. Initially, Skorzeny receives approximately 600 men for this mission. From this group, he selects 150 of the best English-speaking men. These men are equipped with American uniforms and jeeps and divided into three groups. One, an explosive group consisting of five to six men in each unit. Their job is to blow up bridges, munition dumps, and gasoline dumps. 2. A reconnaissance group with three to four men in each unit. They are tasked to reconnoiter east and west of the Meuse River to recognize enemy tank, artillery, and other unit movements. Some of these units are equipped with radios to send back information on these movements. They are also instructed to give false commands to the units they encounter— Reverse road signs, remove minefield signs, and put white stripes in streets with no mines, creating the illusion of blocked roads to enemy forces. 3. A lead group with three to four men attached to each unit. Their main objective is to disturb enemy leadership by cutting telephone wires, wrecking radio stations, and giving false commands. They work closely with the attacking battalions of the 150 Panzer Brigade. The 150 Panzer Brigade is comprised of two Panzer and one Infantry Combat Group, each with its own small combat staff. Although the unit receives a small number of American vehicles, most of them are modified German Panzer and support vehicles adjusted and painted in American colors to appear like American vehicles. However, despite their attempts to create an American appearance— the brigade still retains a distinct German look. An example is that the brigade is equipped with only two American Sherman tanks. However, on the eve of the attack, only one Sherman tank is available, since the other experiences irreversible transmission issues during the brigade's assembly in the Eiffel. Besides that, only a few soldiers in the brigade can speak passable English or convincingly impersonate an American soldier. Meanwhile, training continues at Grafenvier, and by that time the necessary secrecy poses challenges. Kampfgruppe commanders Hardik, Scherf, and Wolf are still not fully informed about the mission, leaving Skorzeny as the sole individual aware of the offensive plans around Unternehm and Greif. Extravagant rumors are circulating around the camp. Some rumors claim that the brigade will dash across France to relieve the besieged garrison of Dunkirk or Lorient, while others suggest a march on Paris to seize the entire Allied supreme command. Skorzeny decides not to suppress the rumors, as it may mislead any Allied agents working to the advantage of his assault force. December 1, 1944. All officers of the Panzer Brigade 150 and Einheit Stielau learn the general outline of Unternehmen Greif. That very same day, Skorzeny is called back to Berlin for another conference on further plans for the attack. Hitler does not attend this conference. During the conference, Skorzeny is informed that his unit will have have three days of supplies, rations and munitions, and that there is sufficient supply of truck-burning wood gasoline to bring up additional supplies. However, Skorzeny is privately informed that there are only about 140 planes in the West instead of the 2,000 that Hitler had promised earlier. December 10, 1944 the Kampfgruppe commanders are briefed about the details of Unternehmen Greif. They learn that the mission of the brigade is to seize, undamaged, at least two out of three Mos bridges. The three bridges are situated near Amey, Hui, or Andene. Unternehmen and Greif will be initiated when the Panzer units of the 1 SS Panzer Division, 12 SS Panzer Division, and the 12. Volksgrenadier Division reached the crossroads at Hoersven, which is on a northeast southwest line from Spa. The crossroads of Hoersven will be captured in a coup de main by Fallschirm Jäger in an operation called Unternehmen Stöße, commanded by Oberst von der Heite. The plan is for the brigade to position itself at the rear of the leading elements of the leading divisions and subsequently maneuver around them on side roads once the objective the hose ven are reached at that point the three groups of panzer brigade 150 would proceed along parallel routes towards the designated bridges utilizing radio communications to coordinate and shift routes if faced with resistance they are to advance at night and reach their objectives 6 hours later Recognition by friendly troops is critical during this assault phase of Unternehmen Greif, since vehicles wear American markings, and a lot of troops are dressed in American uniforms and equipment. Therefore, various measures are implemented to distinguish Scorzini's forces. The unit uses multiple visual markers to identify themselves. White dots are painted on houses, trees, and roads used by their units. The vehicles of the unit display a small yellow triangle at the rear, and the tanks keep their gun barrels pointing at 9 o'clock. Additionally, the soldiers wear pink or blue scarves and remove their steel helmets. During nighttime operations, recognition is achieved by using red or blue torches to flash signals. These measures aim to prevent friendly fire incidents and ensure effective coordination among the forces involved in the operation. DECEMBER fourteenth, 1944 Having travelled under the cover of darkness, Panzer Brigade 150 arrives at its designated assembly area near Monschau, Eiffel. Although the offensive is postponed several times, Skorzeny learns that operations will commence on December sixteenth, 1944. Skorzeny uses these days to train his troops to the highest standards, and to coordinate their movements in accordance with the plans for the attack. As we wrap up our inaugural episode, we've delved into the captivating narrative of Unternehmen Graf, exploring the preparations for the audacious plan conceived by Otto Skorzeny to capture the bridges across the River Meuse and to disrupt enemy lines through covert operations and deception. Now, dear listeners, as we draw the curtain on the first part of our series, we invite you to stay tuned for our upcoming episode. In the second installment, we'll shift our focus to the role played by Panzer Brigade 150 within Unternehmen Grafe. Amidst the challenges of traffic congestion and evolving objectives. We'll uncover how this unit navigated the tumultuous waters of deception and engagement on the battlefield. So join us as we continue our journey through the annals of history, uncovering the untold stories and hidden intricacies that have shaped the course of events in World War II. Get ready for an insightful exploration of Panzer Brigade 150's role in Unternehmen Greif in our next episode. Until then, stay engaged, stay curious, and stay vigilant in your pursuit of historical truths. And that concludes this mission briefing fellow warriors of knowledge we've navigated through the trenches of information delving deep into the battlefields of history as we wrap up this episode in our campaign for understanding remember that knowledge is your most potent weapon stay vigilant and keep sharpening your intellectual arsenal we'll rendezvous again for another episode continuing our relentless pursuit of enlightenment until then keep your mind sharp your curiosity burning and your determination unwavering simultaneously you are hereby alerted to our outposts on facebook instagram and youtube fortifying our information dissemination should you possess any pertinent intelligence to bolster our mission transmit your findings with no hesitation your contributions shall be prominently acknowledged within the operational archives. Furthermore, for those prepared to provide substantial reinforcement, navigate to our Patreon forward base and enlist. Your support is integral to sustaining our forward thrust. Carry forth the legacy. Dismissed.